This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church. Stay tuned and find us online at nagsheadchurch.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Nags Head Church. Good morning. Uh, I am excited to be here today, uh, and I'm really glad that each of you are here with us because in my, in my mind, in my heart of hearts, I really think that God has something for every one of us here today. And that's my prayer that um, each of us would be able to come away with something that will um, be meaningful to us. Um, so before I get started, uh, I need to check on something. Uh, I'm not up here often, maybe just a couple, two or three times a year. Last time I was up here, several weeks ago, I brought a message about finances, and that's what I typically uh, or often talk about. And uh, I felt like at the end of that message that, uh, and that was good stuff, I think I presented it okay and all that. And uh, after the, the service was over, several people came up to me and said, hey, Bernie, that was pretty good stuff, but we couldn't hear you. You know, there was something... I had done something to my microphone that caused a bunch of crackling and anyway, so I want to check on that right now because some of the band told me I'm going to throw a ball at you if it's not right. So can you hear me okay? Everybody good? Am I good, Naomi? All right. All right, we're in um, a series in the Old Testament um, entitled Old Testament Heroes in the Bible. And last week, uh, Pastor Rick was here, and he brought us a great message about the faith of Abraham. And he illustrated how God often tests our faith to show us that it's real. He already knows if it's real. He's not learning anything from this, but he wants to show us. So we heard the story of Abraham and Isaac and how God called on Abraham to be willing to sacrifice his son Isaac as a burnt offering. And as that story unfolded, um, uh, God told Abraham, you, you've got to go to the mountain and you've got to sacrifice your son as a burnt offering. And so Abraham did as he was told. He was obedient. And he took Isaac up to the top of the mountain and, and he laid him on the altar. And uh, just as the story just as he was about to bring the knife down on his son, uh, God's angel intervened and told him to stop and provided a, a ram for the burnt offering. Uh, Abraham's faith was tested, for sure. But one thing we didn't talk too much about last week, and it kind of occurred to me, Isaac's faith was tested too. Because at that time, Abraham, I think, was probably better than 100 years old. And Isaac was about 18. Don't you think Isaac could have escaped that? Had He willingly did that. So just a little uh, thought that occurred to me as I was preparing. Uh, so Abraham's face was tested, and God told him at the end of that, in Genesis 22, verses 16 and 17, he said, By myself I've sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and not withheld your only son, I will indeed bless you. Make your offspring as numerous as the stars in the sky. So, 
that's a got to have to have been a pretty tough thing uh, that that Abraham was willing to do. And I'm wondering, do you ever find yourself thinking, you know, these Old Testament stories are great. Abraham being willing to sacrifice his son, Noah building this ark for years and years when the whole world's laughing at him, Moses leaving the palace and and in a steam position uh, to go into the desert. These are all good stories, but man, I'm not strong enough to do that. I, I really can't relate to these guys. Uh, I think they're good stories, but just they're different than than we are and i'm here to just kind of share with us this morning they weren't different than us they weren't perfect was abraham perfect i don't think so did he do everything just right as we look this morning we'll see the answer to that is no surely sure he had great faith uh, to be willing to do that to sacrifice his son and in fact the the, the ones that we have been looking at all summer long, all these Old Testament heroes, they all had great faith. Don't misunderstand. But they're not, they weren't perfect. And sometimes because of that great faith that they showed, we put them up on a high pedestal and think, I, I just couldn't do that. And because of that, we're unable to relate to them, but we need to. So we need to understand that they were just men and women just like us. Uh, the saying, he puts his pants on one leg at a time, that applies here. These were just, just people, okay, that, that showed and exercised great faith. With that, let's pick up in Hebrews 11 where Pastor Rick left off last week. Um, our message today comes from three verses in chapter 11. And I'm going to ask you to look at these three with me right now. We're at Hebrews 11, 20, 21, and 22. I'm going to share those now. By faith, in uh, verse 20, by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Verse 21, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, and he worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. And the final verse, by faith, Joseph, as he was nearing the end of his life, mentioned the exodus of the sons of Israel, gave instructions concerning his bones. So from that, I'm going to pull three stories today that I want to share with you. We're going to look at Isaac, we're going to look at Jacob, and we're going to look at Joseph. And we'll see <clears throat> that even though the three of them made some mistakes, that that great faith that I was just talking about wins out in the end, okay? But remember, they didn't do it all right all along. Uh, and we're going to see that. As we look at these stories, I want, want us to look at similarities in each of the stories. And let's look and see what we can learn from each. So... With that, let's get started. Verse 20, I'll read it again. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Now, this Isaac, this is the same Isaac that I talked about just earlier and Pastor Rick was talking about, who seemingly almost became a, a burnt offering sacrifice when he was a teenager. 
He was probably 17 or 18 years old at the time. But when he turned, he grew up, and when he turned 40, he married Rebecca. And then 20 years after that, his sons were born. Two sons, Jacob and Esau. And Jacob and Esau were twins. Esau was older by just a minute or two. Okay, Jacob came out next. That, that age difference will prove to be significant a little later on. We'll talk about that. So as these two boys grew, um, we find that Isaac and Rebekah each had a favorite son. They didn't seem to love each of these boys equally or the same. And here's, here's what the account says in Genesis 25, verse 27. When the boys grew up, Esau became an expert hunter, an outdoorsman, but Jacob was a quiet man who stayed at home. And then verse 28 says this, Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for wild game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So each of them had a favorite, and we'll see just how this bears out a little later. But let's think about that for a moment. Let me ask you this. Have you ever seen or been in a situation where the favoritism was just real obvious? You know, that mom loves me best, you know, that kind of thing, and, and the other sibling is, you know, feels bad and all that. You know, Andy talks about that a lot. You know, Andy says, Mom loves me best, but, uh, you know, I don't know about that. I wasn't there. But, um, but that favoritism shows, and it's especially impacting on the least favored. And doesn't it always lead to conflict among the siblings? I mean, they're frightened. I mean, it, it just, it does. And as we follow that story, this story in Genesis, we see that there was a lot of conflict between Jacob and Esau all along as they grew up. Um, indeed, one time uh, Jacob took advantage of Esau of a situation um, and persuaded Esau to give him his birthright. Now, I talked a little bit earlier, I touched on Esau was the oldest. Okay, In that culture, the oldest had a birthright, um, and it was pretty significant. Um, the birthright of the old, eldest son gave him precedence over all his brothers uh, and sisters, but significantly over his brothers. It also assured him of a double portion of the father's inheritance. Pretty significant. Um, it could only be forfeited, that birthright, by committing a major serious sin, but it also, it was so valuable, it was considered so valuable, it could be bartered, sold, okay? And so Esau, through just an extenuating circumstance, bartered or sold his birthright to Jacob. You know what he sold it for? A bowl of soup. A bowl of soup. Um, says he was famished. 
<clears throat> Let me read that to you, just that account. Uh, Once when Jacob was cooking a stew, Esau came in from the field. Remember, Esau was the hunter. He was the outdoors guy. Jacob was the inside guy. He said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stuff because I'm exhausted. And this, that is why he is also named Edom. And Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Look, said Esau, I'm about to die. I think he meant, I'm so hungry, I'm famished. I'm about to die, so what good is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore to Jacob and sold his birthright to him. Jacob gave bread and stew to Esau. He ate, drank, got up, and went away. So Esau despised his birthright. So he was sorry he did that immediately. Later on, Jacob and their mother, Rebecca, kind of conspired together to cheat or really steal from Esau the father's blessing. Okay, that was a big deal, the father uh, blessing um, his children and, and specifically the oldest. So they conspired to do that. Um, they actually impersonated Esau. Jacob impersonated Esau when Isaac was real old. He couldn't see well. Uh, and they tricked Isaac into giving the father's blessing. Now, I would like to read that whole passage because it's pretty detailed and it talks about putting skins on, animal skins on, and, and all this kind of stuff. But time really doesn't permit us to do that. But it's in Genesis chapter 27, verses 1 through 40 is that story. And it's really interesting reading. If uh, Don't read it now. Listen to me now. <laughs> but maybe later on, if you're interested, you can read that. But... Uh, when Esau figured out what had happened, that Jacob had stolen the blessing from him, it infuriated him. And we read this in Genesis chapter 27, verse 41. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. And Esau determined in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are approaching. It means he knows that Isaac is not far from passing away. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. So that's, that's their relationship. That's, and all this is caused by the favoritism that was shown. So uh, when Rebekah heard how angry Esau was, remember Jacob's her favorite, she goes to Jacob and says, you better get out of Dodge. And she told him, leave the country for a while until Esau's anger goes away. So, so, I mean, just lots and lots of conflict, lots of problems there as a result of the favoritism. So we've got here a story of two brothers. Their relationship is largely built on trickery, deceit, jealousy, and now hatred. And that lasted for many years. While eventually they did reconcile many, many years later, um, all this conflict, hatred could have likely been avoid, avoided. Uh, and I suspect it was mostly set up due to the favoritism shown by the parents, Isaac and Rebecca. Does that make sense? Okay. 
And also, at the same time, I got to say this. What we see is that while Isaac did bless them in many ways, and ultimately they did mature and had families and, and their families grew and prospered, um, they had to overcome a lot of stuff, a lot of difficulties and problems because of this, because of the effects of the favoritism. So that's story number one. Story number two, verse 21, let's look at that. And that says, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, and he worshiped leaning on top of his staff. Now, to see what we're talking about here, we got to go back to Genesis and look at some, and get some background. Jacob has grown up, and eventually he settles with his family in the land of Canaan. Okay, he has many sons. Jacob does, but we find that he too has a favorite. Okay, his youngest son Joseph, and true to form. All the other brothers recognize the favoritism, and they hate Joseph. Genesis 37, verse 3 says this, Now Israel, which is another name given to Jacob, Israel, Israel loved Joseph more than his other sons, because Joseph was a son born to him in his old age, and he made a robe of many colors for him. When, their bro- when the brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not bring themselves to speak peaceably to them, to him. So we got another conflict. We got another hateful kind of situation. And you know, I got to say this too. Joseph probably didn't help the situation any. Okay. The Bible talks about he was kind of brash, I think. And I can just imagine uh, Joseph going to his, his, his brothers and saying, hey guys, it's kind of cold out there. Go get your coat of many colors and let's get one. Oh, wait, you guys don't have a coat, do you? <laughs> Sorry about that. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't do some of this. And, and you know, over the next 12 years, and we're going to talk about that in just a second, he kind of learned some things, and God grew him up and matured him. But So the brothers conspired to kill him, but at one of the brothers pleading, they relent, and instead sell him as a slave, and they tell Jacob, the father, that he's been killed by a wild animal. So Joseph ends up a slave and then in prison, uh, and he's in this type situation, prisoner, slave, that kind of thing, for a total of about 12 years. So, but during all this time, you know, he's sold as a slave, he's in Potiphar's house, uh, he's falsely accused of some um, immorality, sexual immorality, uh, he's put into prison. Uh, through all this, the Bible says he remained faithful to God, and the Bible says God was with him. God was with him. Joseph. So while he was in prison in Egypt, he, he gained this reputation of being able to interpret dreams. And the Pharaoh, the leader, the number one guy in Egypt, um, 
was having these dreams, and he sent for Joseph to interpret the dream. And the end result of that is Joseph did interpret the dreams and accurately and really impressed Pharaoh. And so what happened was Joseph went from being in prison today to second in command of the most powerful nation in the world the next day. Little bonus material for you here. Okay. Is anybody in here that is maybe pursuing your career now? You're in your 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 work, your job, and you're pursuing a career. Let me ask you this. Who do you want to be your agent? Who do you want to be in charge of your career? Do you want the guy, the one that can, if he chooses to, take you from the lowest of the low to the highest in a single day? Just a thought. You may want to consider that. Back to our story. So, uh, Joseph's interpreted this dream. He's in second in command. A great famine happens as Joseph predicted it would. And Jacob and his sons over in Canaan are about to die of starvation. And Jacob thinks his son Joseph is dead, but he sends his remaining sons over to Egypt for help. You know, if we don't get some help from somewhere, we're all going to die of starvation. So they go, they end up going before J Joseph. They don't recognize him, but he knows who they are. Uh, he takes them in, helps them out. Uh, they move to Egypt, and uh, at some point he reveals who he is, and they're all scared to death. Uh-oh, Joseph, hey, look, we really, it wasn't my idea, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But Joseph forgave them. He forgave them, and that's pretty significant, I think. Um, and he said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So at the end of his life, Jacob gathered all of his sons, and he blessed them. And he did that in chapter 49 of Genesis. And he speaks truth to each of his sons and about each of his sons, not just Joseph. Um, Seems maybe he learned a little bit from some of his earlier mistakes. But um, Genesis chapter 49 talks about his last words and his blessing. Jacob called his sons and said, Gather around and I'm going to tell you what will happen to you in the days of come, to come. Come together and listen, sons of Joseph. And then he goes on and he, he tells it just like it is. And some of it's not real positive about some of the sons because... Some of them aren't really, you know, have great character traits. But he tells it like it is, and he's truthful and he's honest. And then in, chapter, in uh, verse 28, he says, These are the tribes of Israel, twelve in all. This is what their father said to them. He blessed them, and he blessed each one with a suitable blessing. So, <clears throat> Jacob's faith endured, and even though the favoritism he showed Joseph caused him, Jacob, called all the family and Joseph much pain and heartache, what won in the end? His faith. His faith won in the end. 
So now to our third verse and the third story. Hebrews 11 verse 22 says this, By faith Joseph, as he was nearing the end of his life, mentioned the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave instructions concerning the bones. Joseph had, God revealed lots of things to Joseph and he knows now some of what God is going to do. So all the family is in Egypt now and they're, they've grown and there are a lot of them. And he likely has some understanding of the fact that God has no intention of making them remain in Egypt. He's going to at some point take them back to the promised land, the land he's promised them. And he gives them something to look forward to and he gives them something to hope for. And back in Genesis in chapter 50, which is the last chapter of Genesis, Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will certainly come to your aid and bring you up from this land to the land he promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he made them take an oath. When God comes to your aid, carry my bones up from there. So he gives them something to do. Verse 26 says, Joseph died at the age of 110. They embalmed him and placed him in a coffin in Egypt. So Joseph had two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. <clears throat> I've read through, and, and I can't, there's no mention anywhere <clears throat> of any favoritism that Joseph showed to his two sons. Unlike his father and his grandfather, he treated his children equally. In fact, when Jacob was um, trying to give a blessing to him and he tried to switch the, the blessing of, of, that he was to give to the younger son from the older son, Joseph wouldn't allow that because it was the culture, that was the custom, and he was just adhering to that. So jo Joseph never, that I can see, showed any favoritism. And I think this is significant too, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, so, we've got those three stories, which brings us to the question of how do we bless the coming generation? First, let's acknowledge that the coming generation we're most likely to have impact on or be able to bless is who? Those we're closest to, right? And this often, and as in this case, uh, with these stories, there are children and our family. So there's some lessons that we can learn from these stories. And uh, let's just take a look at those real quick. Uh, first lesson, don't show favoritism. We should treat our children fairly, equally, and with respect. Proverbs, write this verse down, it's not in your notes, but Proverbs 28, 21 says this, playing favorites is always a bad thing. You can do great harm in seemingly harmless ways. That's the, the um, um, from the message um, translation. Point number two, follow God's family patterns. Proverbs is filled with instructions on this. 
on how we should raise our children, and we can get lots of instruction from that. Point number three, learn from the past. So when I say learn from the past, we learn from mistakes that we've made. I, you know, when I do something wrong or when I, when I, I make a mistake, I try to learn from it. But even better than learning from our own mistakes or what? Learn from somebody else's mistakes. So um, learn from these, these things that we, we see and that we're taught. And finally, teach lessons that will help the coming generations to prepare for the future and to make wise choices. And, you know, Joseph was teaching them of things to come. Now, I'm getting ready to get out of my lane here. But it's important what, I, what I've got to say next. And I, I think many of us need to hear and know this. First, we all got to understand this. Blessings aren't just good wishes for someone. Blessings require action. Okay? And often a lifetime of action, not just hey, I bless you, I hope things turn out well for you. That's not, that's not a blessing, okay? You need to know that. But in these three stories, there's a generational pattern to the behavior that we're looking at. You get that? There's a generational pattern. It starts with Abraham. And Abraham's family did not have healthy relationships. Okay, why I say that. Think about this. Abraham, Sarah, and Isaac. Okay? But that wasn't all of Abraham's family, was it? How about Hagar and Ishmael, who's also Abraham's son? Okay? Ishmael was cast off. I mean, and, and that whole scenario involved some disobedience, but favor was shown to Isaac over Ishmael. Okay? And maybe that's the start of this. But then Isaac's family. You've got Isaac and Rebekah, Esau and Jacob. Well, we spent a lot of time talking about that this morning. Okay, so the, the, that trait, that generational trait continues. That passed on to Jacob and his children. You know, brother selling the youngest one, wanting to kill him, more problems resulting from unhealthy patterns of favoritism. You know, I think that Joseph recognized some of this in his family's history, and he didn't allow them to persist or to repeat, starting with him. You get that? I don't think Jake, Joseph did. I think Joseph put a stop to it. So, listen, as the present generation, which is what we are, I mean, some of most of you are probably in a little younger generation than me, but but we have a responsibility. We must learn to recognize unhealthy patterns within our generation and in past generations, and have a vision for overcoming unhealthy patterns for future generations. If we want to bless the future generation. We've got to figure that out. We've got to see what has happened wrong in our past 
and and that will mean acknowledging some things that we haven't always been perfect in. Proverbs twenty eight twenty eighteen says, "Where there is no vision, the people perish." Folks, we need to have the vision to break that chain. Like he did for Joseph, God can and will break the chains of those unhealthy generational practices. I read a couple of weeks ago when I was studying for this, relation, this and this is kind of, this is true, relationship styles pass from generation to generation like hair color unless they're consciously and intentionally changed, just like hair color. So, but, I mean, a little humor there maybe, but it's true. Relationship styles, I mean, you are like your mother, you are like your dad, that kind of thing. So, and it's not, not just talking about favoritism here. I'm talking about any unhealthy practice. You know, our kids need nurturing love. They need honest and clear communication. They need to know they're safe. They need to know that their family is secure. They need to see their parents live out their faith. They don't need to see, I say this and do that something different. None of our parents were perfect. None of, our, none of us are, are perfect in our parenting. Just as Abraham and Isaac and all of those Old Testament heroes, they weren't perfect. They had great faith, and, and that's not to be diminished, but how much stronger their story could have been So, if we want to bless the coming generation, we need to be the change agents. We need to be the Joseph in our family. The Bible says if we pray for wisdom, He'll give us wisdom. And if we seek to change some unhealthy patterns in our family and in our relationships and rely on Him and allow God to be with us, just as Joseph did, we can be the one that changes and blesses the next generation. Does that make sense? So, I challenge you. If today you recognize some unhealthy patterns in your family relationships, whether it's past generation or within your present family, and you want to say to God, use me, use me, God, to be the one that changes things for my family. It stops with me. If that's you, here at Nags Head Church, we want to be here to help you in any way that we can. From our committed children's team in Cowabunga Cove to um, Ramon and youth, youth group, um, G252, is that right? Our connection groups, our pastors, Andy, Pastor Andy leads a group of parents on Sunday evenings. Um, they just sit around in a connection group type setting and talk about issues, parent, parenting skills and, and related issues and uh, to help each other, to sharpen each other. Point being, 
We're here to help you and your family become the people God wants you to be. There's lots of ways to connect with us. Uh, you can use the communication card. You can email us, info at Nags Head Church. Um, our pastors will be up here after this gathering's over if you want to talk with one of us. Um, but if, if you want to make some changes and you want some help, we're here for you. So ask yourself this question as we close. What do I need to do to honor God with my family relationships starting right now? Let's bow and pray. Father, I thank you for today. Thank you for allowing us to be here and open up your word. And God, we just pray that we learn from what we read this morning. I thank you for uh, the clarity that you give us. Thank you for the truth of what we read in the Bible. God, is uh, each of us, as we search our heart, as we search to know the true direction that you want us to go, the things you want us to do, the changes, God, that you want us to make. I pray that you will give each of us the courage that we need, give us the determination, and God, just allow us to, as we go through our day, as we interact with our, our family, as we mentor and raise our children, God, that we be sensitive to them, that we be encouragement to them. God, that, that as, as we see these young ones grow, that we will do intentional things, God, to cause them to know who you are and to see through us as their parents, to see you through us and the, and the ways that we interact every day as we as we go to work as we share family time as we share meals together god allow us to do everything that we do so that it will bring honor and glory and point our kids to you god we pray these things in your son jesus holy name amen this has been a presentation of Nags Head Church. Love God, love others, reach the world.